What's up, fam? Jamie Kilstein is on the show today. He is a comedian, an American comedian. He's also a high-level jiu-jitsu practitioner and somebody that I've been trying to connect with and get on the show for close to a year now. We've been going back and forth on Instagram. I think he was out in LA, but recently moved up to Tucson, Arizona. And I was out in Arizona. I decided to uh, stay a few days in Phoenix before the Fit for Service event in Sedona. And he drove up to Phoenix and we recorded this awesome podcast. I also jumped on his show, which we'll link to in the show notes. And you can hear all the cool conversations we had around everything, really. We talked uh, relationship, we talked psychedelics, we talked jujitsu, we talked about um, some of his past, you know, uh, politics, really. You know, he, he was a kind of a hard, far left guy who, um, you know, really, really uh, just learned, you know, learned a different way. He's a bit more centrist now. And, uh, you know, he, he talks quite a bit about that. And, it's a fantastic episode. I know you guys are going to dig this one. Jamie's a hell of a guy, and I'll have him back on the show. Uh, there's a few ways you can support this podcast. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Leave us a five-star rating anywhere you can leave a rating. Obviously, iTunes is the big one, but if Stitcher, SoundCloud, or any of these other places have the ability to leave a rating, please do so. And just put it in there. Uh, one or two ways the show has helped you in life. Outside of that, we've got some sponsors on every show that really help make this show possible. So check them out. One of which is a product by Caldera called The Good. And this thing really is, it's good. It's us. It's to be perfectly honest, it's a product I don't think I would have used had I not tried it first. Obviously, they sent me a fucking free bottle. Um, but it's just incredible. It's a, it's a, it's a skincare line for men. And you might think that as a dude who fought professionally and played football and all that other shit, that that's something I don't care about, but I do want to age gracefully. And it is something that makes me feel good. It's something that absolutely energizes me through the various essential oils and products that they've put in there. I just want to take a deep breath. Every time I rub it into my face, my beard, my bald head, it just makes me feel good. And it's become a morning ritual. You guys can receive 20% off your first Caldera Lab purchase of the good by going to calderalab.com slash Kyle or using the discount code word Kyle at checkout. One more time, that's 20% off your first Caldera Lab purchase of the good by going to calderalab.com slash Kyle or entering code word Kyle at checkout. Next, of course, is my homeboys at Wave. This is the very best CBD I've ever come across. It tastes phenomenal. I use it in the morning to help relieve some caffeine-induced anxiety and just balance out my chemistry. And I also use it at night to really help calm myself down, uh, just get in a relaxed mood. It is one of the best products I've ever used when it comes to CBD, and I've tried quite a bit of it. It's 100% USDA certified organic coming out of Colorado, and they use 100% CO2 extraction, which means there's nothing nasty in it, absolutely nothing bad, all good. And it tastes phenomenal. Uh, I'm not averse to the taste of cannabis, but for some people, it feels like they're just drinking <laughs> fresh-pressed weed. Uh, they don't like that. The flavor is amazing. As I've mentioned before, my son likes it. We use it to help him heal from a brain injury, and it works fantastically. Uh, it's really good. It's got uh, different flavors like cinnamon and lemon, and there's even an unflavored if you don't want any flavoring. But of course, the flavoring is 100% natural. And there's no sweeteners or any other bullshit in it. Just a phenomenal product. You can get 10% off by going to waayb.com slash Kyle or entering Kyle at checkout at wave.com. 
Another really cool sponsor that we have for today's show is a company called Skillshare. They're an online learning community with thousands of amazing classes covering dozens of creative and entrepreneurial skills. You can take classes in everything from photography and creative writing design to productivity and more. So whether you're returning to a longtime passion project, challenging yourself to get outside your comfort zone, or simply exploring something new, Skillshare has classes for you. And to be perfectly honest, everyone in the creative team at Onnit uses Skillshare. Everyone's used this to help to level up their game, whether it's photography, video, and a ton of other stuff. I'm using it. Uh, they have classes right now on how to grow your Instagram following, how to grow your marketing, how to learn new skills and avenues that affect us all. Whether you're an entrepreneur or you have your own personal side gig, this is the way you can improve. And it is an amazing product. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for free. That's right. Skillshare is offering the Kyle Kingsbury podcast two months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash Kingsbury. Again, that's Skillshare.com slash Kingsbury to start two months for free right now. Skillshare.com slash K-I-N-G-S-B-U-R-Y. Finally, we've got on it as always, as one of the sponsors. And one of the products I want to talk to you all about is Shroom Tech Sport. Shroom Tech Sport uses Cordyceps Synesis mushrooms, which are fantastic. And they're not just fantastic for workouts, they're fantastic for the brain. And the reason for that is, as y'all just learned from my boy, Matt Maruka, on photobiomodulation, is that mitochondria are all over the body and they are the powerhouses of our cells. Mitochondria are most abundant in the brain and the heart. So whether you're trying to improve blood flow and cardiovascular output through working out, or whether you just want to think and have a little bit better cognitive function and cognitive energy, Shroom Tech Sport gets the job done by helping your body create more ATP in these little powerhouses called the mitochondria through cordyceps synthesis and omega dose of methylated B12. You can go to onnit.com slash Kyle for 10% off your bottle of Shroom Tech Sport. Thank you guys for tuning into the show today with my man, Jamie Kilstein. Let us know what you think on the gram and enjoy the show. All right, we, we fucking just jumped right in. We missed a nice little chunk there. Um, so we're, we're talking about, uh, you just moved out here to, to or in, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona on yeah. the road for the podcast. Let me frame this. Um, and you're living in Tucson now. Yeah. Uh, and I've only lived in New York and LA. And I thought that was just how uh, normal people were. And then I moved to Tucson and I was like, oh, everyone's nice and has a gun. Uh, <laughs> is far different than like what I've grown up in. And there was part of me when I first moved here, it was because I was depressed and LA was just LA. And part of me thought I was going to quit comedy um, and just focus on the podcast. And I don't know. I mean, part of me was even like, maybe I'll just fucking teach jujitsu and just stop everything. And then I got out here and being away from the places where you think you have to be, uh, funny, or you think you have to be hustling in a, it's made me love comedy more. It's made me, it's the most I've ever written. I think it's the best stuff I've ever written. Um, and I'm doing stand up more. And I'm doing it not because, oh, I want to go up at the comedy store, maybe Judd Apatow there, and then he'll cast me as the funny friend. I mean, not that I ever really did that, but I'm going up just because I was like, oh yeah, comedy is a thing I love to do. Um, and when you're doing something just for the love of it, 
you just fucking do it better. Um, and now I have to pull myself back though, because now that I'm doing it better, I'm really excited and I have to catch myself that I don't go back into that like business hustle carny mode where I start, you know, uh, caring more about what I'm going to get. And I have to, I have to maintain this sort of like, I am doing comedy cause I like comedy. I mean, I assume it's like doing jujitsu when you don't, when you're not getting ready for a fight. You're like, oh yeah, this shit's fun. You're not like hitting the mat every time you tap. Like, damn it. It's just like you're jumping around and like fucking around with stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was just thinking of fighting when you were talking about that. There were times in my career where uh, when I got to the UFC, like when I was first in it, I lost my way into the UFC. And then just, and it was like, fuck it. I can only go up from here. Yeah. And so I just wanted to learn and I had time to learn and I was training with some of the best guys and, and I really just focused on it like that. The second I had a win streak and a couple fight of the nights, there was all this fucking pressure to climb the ladder and I was yeah. focused on the next thing. And and after I beat him, then I take on him and all this shit. And it was so far out in front of me. I'm so glad you brought that up because I've been thinking about this a ton because like you're a really introspective guy. I don't know if you were as much back then, but you definitely are. And I would like to think I'm an introspective guy. And, you know, I had, I kind of call it like the, the year I was almost famous where like my dad was just moving and he found this interview magazine where it was like the four comics to watch. And it was just like me, Aubrey Plaza and everyone from like SNL, just like fucking so famous. And I was looking at it and I'm like, oh, I'm that guy. Like when you see those weird top 10 lists and you're like, who the fuck's that? Or like, what happened? What tragic story befell him? It's me. That's that was me (laughs) in that list. And, and I was looking at it and I did everything that I made fun of, um, where I was, you know, not yelling, like I've never been like mean, but I was just like writing managers and agents in a panic. Like, why aren't we getting this? Like, this guy has a special, why isn't, you know, the guy who discovered me discovered me and Kumail at the same time. And there was like a brief period where like I was getting the things he wasn't. Mm. And then I just became a maniac. And it, it was strictly because of fear. It was, I've worked so hard to get here. I dropped out of high school to do comedy. I lived out, lived out of my car. And then I finally got it. And probably very similarly, you just don't want to lose it. Uh, it's like being like an overbearing boyfriend, right? You're like, I'm just going to hold on, hold on, hold on. And what you're doing is like pushing them away. I did that with <laughs> the entire art of stand-up comedy, essentially. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that. Cause you know, at the, in the beginning of, uh, well, not in, in the very beginning, but, you know, my wife and I are open now. Yeah. And I mean, I would say polyam- more polyamorous than swingers. Like, right. we're not just out trying to get laid. We're, we're in it for... I know. I think when people hear than, that, they think it's like still like the key party days. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a free for all. And not, not that we're opposed to that. Not by any means. No. I don't look down on people for doing that. Like, if you're seeking pleasure, that's fucking... There's nothing wrong with that. But we're looking for like meaningful relationships in addition to ours. Yeah. While still working on ours and dealing with all the shit that comes up from that. Yeah. But... The second she got a boyfriend, I was so clingy, like, oh, don't leave me. Mm-hmm. Please don't go. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like that very act. And I could witness it, like yeah. how much it was pushing her away. But it was, it was just blew my mind. I think it was um, I don't know what great substance I took, but something. It might have been LSD in the park, but it just fucking <laughs> opened. It was like, oh, I'm doing the thing that is gross. Right. That's pushing her away. And she's been telling me it. And it's not clicking because I'm so, you know, when you're in a fear mode, it's like in a fight, you get fucking tunnel vision. You can't see anything else. You can't hear anyone else. 
your ears go blank, your head goes blank, and you just stare down the tunnel. And that's what I was doing in like pure panic. And of course, people are like, well, yeah, bro, that's why you don't do fucking open relationship and let your wife get banged by someone else, and right. blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, yeah, there's fair arguments to all that. But for me, it was incredibly empowering to witness that because, you know, so often with advice from others, you don't, you don't fucking take it. You have to know it for yourself first. Yeah. And I think that what was cool is, I mean, if you're, if you're searching for answers and you get still, you'll find the answers. Yeah. And so in that, I had the space to see it. So you know? I have two things. One is a question, but one, actually three things, because I think also LSD in the park is a great novel name um, that I was just, it's like, it just sounds like a kid's book. Um, but I, <laughs> the, the, the two things that that made me think of are, one, a lot of times the people giving you those advice or who are projecting the loudest are also very scared because it's something that either they fear or that they secretly want or that um, they just don't think they could ever have. So a really good example is before my girlfriend and I moved out here, um, I was doing what I do, which is like being the artist guy. And she was in a corporate nine to five that she hated, had zero passion for it, uh, was still somehow making shit money, like sold out, but still living with two roommates. Right. Um, she, everyone at her work would just like drink every night or drink in the office to kind of like get by and give their, 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 their life sort of, uh, faux meaningfulness. And they were miserable and she was miserable. And we start meeting or we start hanging out and I realized that she's like really creative. She's really funny, but she's not funny around other people. She's just kind of funny around me where she can be like weird. Um, she wears like Harry Potter shorts to bed, even though, you know, she, she talks like a, a business person in the office where every once in a while it'll slip out. Like we'll be in the supermarket and she'll be like working for the weekend. And I'm like, what the fuck did you just say? Like, it just doesn't sound like her. It sounds like this programming. Right. And so I, did what I always do where I was like the, the, the manic pixie boy where I'm like, we got to get out of here and live as artists. And she's like, what? And she was like, fuck it. I'm sick of this. Like I'm miserable. Like, yeah, a hundred percent. Let's do it. And I was like, just work on the podcast. Like teach yourself how to edit videos, which she did like immediately. And everyone at that job, all, everybody, except for the people she was like the closest with who were people who had good, cool lives. They either had good relationships or they were artists or whatever, just tried to fucking suck her back in. Here's why you can't do it. Here's why mm. you can't do it. And they were really shitty about it. And she realized that like a lot of her friends were just kind of people who wanted uh, to be surrounded by other people in quicksand. You know what I mean? It's the crabs in a bucket thing where they just keep trying to pull each other down. And so I think a lot of times when you get the loudest objections, you sort of also want to be like, what are you afraid of, bro? Like what's going on here? Yeah, People in general don't want to see change, whether that's family or close friends, because then it's like, well, what does that reflect upon me? It like, shines. you don't want to drink alcohol anymore? What's what the fuck? Why not? Dude, like, what's wrong with me drinking? You're not going to drink with me? Drinking is the perfect example. Or even food. Like, you're going to fucking eat clean. I, I mean, when I was training people in fighting as a side job, because I had several just to pay the bills yeah. in the UFC, I'm training people, and it blew my mind how many people had a significant other, like a partner, a wife, a husband, who didn't want to change the way they, they ate, and so they would fucking just constantly throw it out there. Like, I don't like you eating like this. I'm going to still make mac and cheese and fucking serve it to everybody in the family. And yep. then it's going to make it that much harder for that person. If you don't have both people on board, 
Dude, it's a motherfucker. That was the hardest thing for me and my girlfriend because she had like hot girl metabolism where she's like younger than me. And like, I hadn't eaten fast food in like 10 years and we meet and she's like, let's go to Sonic. And I'm like, okay. And like, <laughs> Sonic is the worst. Dude, it's the worst. And afterwards I'm like, you're still hot. I put on like, I put on like 15 pounds uh, since we met and we finally pulled it in. But I had to have like a serious conversation with her where I was like, I don't feel well. Like, this isn't okay. Like, I can't do what you're doing. How much uh, older are you than her? I am. So I'm 37. She's 29. Oh yeah. That's a good, that's a good difference there. Yeah. Um, but she, it's all habits, man. Like one, whenever she eats better, she's like, I feel better. And she started doing yoga. And then when we go to treat ourselves, it's like, you shouldn't go to treat yourself. And then like, I'm like walking around, like holding my stomach. Like we feel fucking awful. Um, but it's these habits you get from when you're younger, where it's like, I am sad. Therefore I eat shitty or like, I am, uh, happy. Therefore I celebrate by eating shitty. And it always ends with eating shitty. And like food addiction is a fucking bitch and it's real. And I think lots of guys have some form of eating disorders, but they don't talk about it because they're guys and that's girl shit. Um, but dude, I've like, binge ate so much. I've, I mean, a hundred percent have struggled with eating disorders. Like there's no other word for it. Um, it's really fucking hard. And it's also hard because with any other bad habit, you can like heroin, you should probably quit cold Turkey, right? With food, you still have to eat three times a day. You're not going to have to do like a little heroin each day to get by. You're not going to go to fucking bear's birthday party and they're handing out little like crack cakes, but like they'll have cupcakes, they'll have whatever. <laughs> um, and that shit's hard. It's everywhere. Uh, uh, billboards whenever I'm eating healthy, I thought I like wasn't susceptible to advertising, but like I'm on the road, I'm driving to LA today and like, I will keep seeing billboards for McDonald's at every exit and it will be tempting, even though I know it'll make me feel horrible. We were at, uh, Ryan and I, uh, were at uh, the psychiatry office yesterday here in, in town, I think down in Chandler by the Chandler mall. Yeah. And, uh, the guy's fantastic. So, uh, Dr. Patino, he's, he's, He's been doing psychiatry for 30 years. He's into all new treatments like ketamine and TMS oh, and a lot of cool shit. And uh, just a fantastic guy. We ran through the gauntlet of brain tests. And uh, but turns out I'm a genius. But uh, that's Great. a different episode. Congrats. So that's, that's good news. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, a genius in, episode with a fucking stand-up comedian. In the, in the lobby, they got Food Network on. And I've been mostly carnivore. Yeah. I'm going to interview uh, Dr. Paul Saladino oh, cool. coming up here. And um and I'm doing really well on it. When I went straight carnivore, I started getting rashes and shit like that. So yeah. now I'll still eat, you know, a salad or two a week. And yeah. and um, if I have fucking onions on my burger, big, I don't I don't fret. Like it's not. I don't yeah. think I'm gonna die from it. I, I know they're good for me, and I and I do fine with that. But I do much better eating higher higher quality and more amounts of good meat. Sure. And so I've been feeling great doing that. And then I'm watching this show, and it's in the fucking lobby. And of course, you're surround everywhere you go. You're surrounded by fat people. Like, yeah. and it's no. This isn't fat shaming. It's not me saying like anything bad about that. It's just the current state of affairs. And I'm watching the screen. And I'm like, fuck, man, I'm an AZ. There's some there's some really good shitty food spots to eat. Maybe I should take Ryan to one. And I'm like, yeah. hell no. I feel so fucking good right now. Why would I fucking throw that out the window? But it is everywhere. Like you are surrounded yeah, by man. that. And then and, and the, the cravings are real. Um, and everyone is doing it. It's like if everyone was addicted to like some horrible drug or if everyone was an alcoholic, like, and, and also a lot of people don't understand. Um, they don't understand why you can't just have, like for me, like I can't just have a little 
cake, or I can't just have a little pizza. Like just do I, one bump of coke. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and suddenly I'm just doing it off of like dudes' cocks. Like that's <laughs> what I am with pizza, essentially. Uh, where like I was, I mean, I remember there was a there was a phase where I was like totally sober. Oh my god! And it was like right when I was trying to go vegan. I was probably like 23, 24, and I was on the road doing shows. And dude, I wasn't like tempted by girls. I wasn't tempted by drugs, by alcohol. But like my girlfriend at the time would call me and be like, are you eating pizza? And I would just be like shamefully like hiding like stuffed crest boxes like under the bed. Like you don't know me. Like it would have been the saddest like E! True Hollywood (laughs) story. Just me like naked in a bathtub with pizza boxes. It was fucking terrible, man. But I mean, I think that's the main reason I don't drink. Like I have alcoholism in my family. But I don't think I'm an alcoholic. It's when I drink and when I smoke weed, I go to food and I make really mm. bad food choices. And it's, I, I don't even wake up hungover. I wake up just like my stomach like hurts because I will just binge eat and I will use that as an excuse. But there's something, and this is actually what I was gonna, I mean, we can talk about food, but just to go back to what you were saying about the relationships, um, it's like our it's like our mind's always testing us where there, there's always... Some, some bad habit we're fighting. So when you were talking about those guys who were giving you shit about being in an open relationship, a lot of them are struggling. Like uh, what I'm struggling right now with, and this is insane. And I've never done this before is, uh, it's infinitely worse than what you're going through, which is, uh, my girlfriend would never fucking cheat on, has never cheated on a boyfriend. Like her record is fucking spotless compared to like my like slutty road days. Um, And I'm starting to like, it's almost like because there's nothing to worry about. Like, I don't get jealous. I'm not like, who you fucking talking to? I don't check phone. I've never done that shit. Um, But we we were like one day like swapping like road stories or whatever. And just like hearing about the stuff from her past with people she doesn't talk to. I have let that haunt my brain. And, and, And it's almost because things are so good. Like they're so level that something in my body or my my mind is trying to cause problems when they're not there. And there's actually like a term for it because I Googled it because I was so pissed at myself called like retroactive jealousy. Um, so I think that, again, for people who are giving you shit, there's, we all have it in us and I think we're all ashamed of it. Um, and it sounds like what you're just trying to do is like take it on and like confront it. Um, but man, like, we're doing relationships wrong. I don't know if poly is the answer. I don't know if monogamy is the answer, but something is fucking broken and we're all kind of psychos uh, when it comes to love and when it comes to relationships. Um, and I can't I can't figure out what that comes from. It, come, it could just, for me, it could just be a Jamie thing. And I think it's relatable. And it's just, I grew up with a dysfunctional childhood and like my first girlfriend cheated on me and there's all this past shit that right now things are really good and healthy. And so I'm trying to create something that's not there. Um, but man, in a perfect world, open relationships make so much sense. And I wish I could do it, but I'm like, God, if I'm being a lunatic with some dude, she fucked a year ago. I was like, I don't know how well I would do like having him in my home, you know, (laughs) but like, I, I want, like, I, I admire the fuck out of it. And like, I just wish we could have the conversations like conversations like this without people getting so defensive. And I feel like, again, the reason they get defensive about drugs or food or relationships or sex is just because they're fucking scared and we don't have these conversations and we're either raised ignorant or we're raised with shame and then people just don't want to talk about it. 
Yeah. I, th- I mean, there's a lot. There's so much to unpack in that. I think, I think, fuck, there's, a, there's at least three things here that I want to unpack. Yeah, yeah, one, yeah. one is that there's a lot of dudes. First, let me just say it. And I say this anytime I talk about open, I don't believe that there is one right way to do relationships. And I don't be. think that poly is better than monogamy. In 10 years, we could be back to monogamous. You know, Duncan right, Trussell right. was open for a little while, and then now that they just had their kid, they're back to monogamous. And I think it's fine. I didn't it's, know he had a kid. I think it's better to just to flow, you know, yeah. with life. And if and if you're this for a little while, it doesn't make you, like, on the bandwagon. Dude, I'm going to beat the drum. We love labels, and we love tribes so yeah. much. It just makes us feel safe. But this other – it's exactly right. But this other point that you had – around like the the triggers that come up just from hearing about past relationships it blows (coughs) excuse me it blows my fucking mind how many people i know that are married and they don't want it's almost like they wish their wife was a virgin and it's like dude it's like ice and shit understand your wife is good in bed because of all the dudes who taught her how to suck dick right. and fuck before you. Right. Like, have appreciation for that. What if I you just started crying? Wanna start, yeah. You don't want to start <laughs> from scratch. Yeah. Right? Think of how how shitty sex was in high school. If you had sex in high school Oof. or in your early 20s, it sucks. Yeah. It's nothing compared to the sex you have when you're older. There's, um, I think Aubrey just did a, a one of the AMP books on The Fifth Sacred Thing, which yeah. is a fucking great book. We'll link to that podcast in the show notes. But one of the quotes he reads from the book is, it's um, it's a blessing where this woman who, and I won't give the whole thing, I'll let you guys get into it yourself, but it basically, it, it's a poem that blesses all the waters that contribute to your river of love. And each stream that goes in is somebody you've been with before mm. me, somebody that you've been with before I showed up in your life. And, it, and it's, yeah. oh, <laughs> Giles, Giles threw it up. Let's let actually let's play it. Can we get that on the mic or is it too far away? Might be too far away. All right, pause that shit. Um, so yeah, we'll link to that in the show notes. Anyways, it, it's a be- it's one of my favorite books, and it's probably one of the better parts of that book. And the book isn't about any one thing in particular. It's uh, it's set. There we go. You got it muted. All right, under control. It's set um somewhere in the near future, and and uh, it's just a phenomenal book. But it's it's a reframing of how we think of that stuff because. Yeah. I mean, there's dudes who do not want to be. I mean, if you if a if a woman says slow down while you're eating her out, yeah, and you take offense to that, you're a lunatic. And there and but so many dudes do because I, it's like what you don't like the way that I do it, and it's like whoa 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 whoa, hold on, let's be a student. Yeah, let's be a student first. You know, like and if you listen and learn and you and you go, everyone wants it differently. Yeah, period. Fuck. I want it differently. If I'm getting a blowjob, like I don't want it the same each fucking time. Right. I want it differently. So if I can give cues as to the way I want it in that moment, yeah. And there's receptivity on the other side. How much better is the experience? Also, shouldn't you want the person to feel good, even for even selfishly? You should want the person. I'm like working on this bit right now. It's not done, but about how uh, if girls want to come a lot, they should date a sad, needy guy because like I have such a hole in my heart that I will not stop going down on them until they come because I have to like <laughs> fill it with validation. Where if they're like, oh, I usually don't come from oral, I'm like, well, I guess I fucking die down here then. Like, why? wouldn't you want it to feel good? And I think, yeah, again, it's that jealousy. I also think something I've been like kind of fucking with in my head. I also think that we create these problems and because we want an excuse. 
Like, like, you know how sometimes I've had like girls tell me that sometimes their most jealous boyfriends were cheating. And there's something to that, right? There's something to some guy being like, who the fuck are you texting? And they're like, I'm texting my mom. And the reason they're so aggressive is because they're like, oh, well, I would have been texting. It's like some the, fucking the creature girl. who hates gays, who's a closet. Just fucking dudes. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of that. Or, I mean, I even had, oh, I shouldn't even talk. I haven't even talked about this to a friend, but like, I even had this moment where, um, I'm going to do these shows and this girl and me and my girlfriend were kind of like struggling. And I was in my head and this girl started like just straight up uh, texting me like, you come to this city and I will have sex with you. Um, it was a city I was already going to. And there was this moment, I had this gross moment where I was like, oh, that'll make me feel better about the past jealousy thing. Cause I'll be like, I may be jealous that you fucked a guy a year ago, but I fucked a girl today. And like, what a piece of shit move that would have been. Um, but we do these things because we're covering up for, I think, our own insecurities, our own fears. And so instead of talking about it or doing the hard work, we're just kind of like pieces of shit to each other, uh, hoping that it'll all cancel out, you know? And I think that's garbage. Yeah. It's hard, man. It is. I think there's, uh, I don't know if it's Ram Dass or likely somebody before Ram Dass, but the thing you, and I, I know Duncan says this, I'm going to butcher it, but the thing you dislike about someone else there's at least a little bit of that in you. Yeah. So if you don't like Trump's ridiculous ego, part of that resonates with a part of you, mm-hmm. you know, or you at least had some of that growing up. Like yeah. there's some issue there, right? And I think that that's a hard one to, I mean, that's a tough pill to swallow, especially with somebody like Trump, if you're, you know, adamant against everything he stands for. Um, but at the same time, like they're, yeah, like I, if you see like an, like Rogan talks about that, like, seeing children in adults Mm -hmm. like everyone who grew up is still a kid at some point right and we know this now from behavioral psychology and a lot of other things like if you had a trauma happen at a certain age the development slows after that it doesn't mean you're fucking a 12 year old at 46 but there's a lot of people where you're like you got some fucking quirks like a little kid does yeah no different right and i think uh recognizing that in people and recognizing it in yourself at least gives you a little bit more compassion around like someone else's behavior, like an understanding of what's going on. I legitimately think that one of the keys to being a decent person is just calling yourself out on your own bullshit. And that seems to me like the easiest thing because I've been really self-hating before. So I'm like, I just did a, a a low key version of that. You know, it wasn't introspection. It was just me being like, you're a piece of shit, Jamie, or whatever. Um, but when you can call yourself out and when your goal is just to be better instead of being the guy who's like, you don't like how I eat pussy. Uh, when your goal is I'm going to eat pussy a little better every day. Um, it makes a huge difference because like we're all fucked up. And once you realize you're fucked up, it's like, don't you want to change those things? But people do this thing sometimes where they will almost take like uh, too much ownership over their flaws. Like you get the guy who's like, like, I'm just the dude who fucking gets drunk and passes out. Or like, I'm just like the girl who fucking cheats or, and it's a defense mechanism. It's, oh, if I own it, it's what I do with comedy. If I can make a joke about um, being a piece of shit, then it's cool because everyone's laughing about it and they're laughing about it to feel better. I mean, that's why your podcast and, and so many like, 
tangential Rogan people really helped me because for a long time when I was in super progressive lefty, if you listen to a man, you're part of the problem world. I didn't really have a lot of male role models. And when I started to uh, uh, listen to guys who were being vulnerable or talking about masculinity in a way that wasn't demonizing it or talking about health or fitness or whatever, um, it really, really... It really helped my life, man. And there's a lot of people, I think, that would rather just kind of live in their bubble. And especially with comedy, with comedy, a lot of times the people who make it are people who get on stage and they talk about being a fuck up. And then the audience goes, ah, that makes me feel better about my fuck up life where there have been times where I've wanted to quit drinking or there have been times where I wanted to stop jujitsu and even though I'm 37, I would sound like a 16-year-old under peer pressure. I would tell myself that, well, this is how you get funny or this is how you become a good comic. You can't can't do a bunch of burpees and be funny. Like, you know what I mean? That's for like the jocks who like kicked our ass. Um, and it's been this battle. It's been this constant battle. And, you know, I was really good friends with Robin Williams and I know a bunch of comics who are alcoholics and who are depressed. And I think a lot of it ties into that. Like people want the sort of sad clown that can make their life uh, or make them feel better about, about their life. So yeah, I've really been going, I don't remember how I got on that, but I've really been going back and forth uh, with that a, a ton. Yeah. I wonder that too. And this is definitely through the lens of, of comedy and it certainly it applies in other areas, but I wonder, I wonder how, I think there's some application there to fighting as well, but I wonder, um, if there's like a contrast in working on yourself to get, and this is by no means, I'm, I'm not trying to paint a broad brush with a broad brush over uh, comedy in general, but I wonder because so many great comedians are haunted in an, in a way, yeah. right? I wonder if doing the work on yourself to feel better in everyday life would then shift the way you do comedy. Yeah. So I had this moment, I was talking to my girlfriend about this yesterday. Um, there are a couple ways to look at it. So, this kind of ties back to just people in general, not just comedians. But a lot of times we want the excuses to uh, enable us to, to, to make shitty decisions, right? So if somebody says, hey, if you keep getting drunk every night, you're going to be really funny. You go, sweet, I get to keep getting drunk every night, right? And that's a lot easier than eating healthy and working out every day. Um, so it enables us. And I thought that for a really long time. Um, but then I realized, I mean, one, a lot of the best comedians in the world were fuck ups, but then became great once they got sober. So like Bill Hicks was an alcoholic and, and all this stuff, but he didn't become Bill Hicks until he quit drinking. And same with Mark Maron. Mark Maron, you know, was like doing blow and alcohol, uh, early on, but then got fucking really good, um, when he got sober. Now, you know, Hicks did psychedelics and, and, and stuff like that. But when I say sober, I usually just mean like, you know, whatever, weed and alcohol, hard drugs. Um, I was reading an interview with Whitney Cummings, whose new special is so good. And she said she had this fear of that. I think when she started going to therapy, um, it was in Tim Ferriss's book, actually. And when she started going to therapy, she was like, oh, being happy is going to like ruin I mean, how fucked up is that to be in an industry where you're like, is being happy going to ruin my art? Mm. Um, and she said for her, it got better. Um, what I was thinking about, and, but I'm really, I think it comes down to confidence because I'm just, 
I'm just insecure. When I hear, like when I'm hanging out with you or when I'm with my fight team, uh, I feel like a fucking badass and I want to eat healthy and I want to do extra rounds. I was driving here and listening to Ari Shafir's podcast and he's one of my favorite comedians in the world. And he's talking about doing like mushrooms and DMT and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to LA and I'm going to do a bunch of mushrooms and fucking DMT. And that's like all I want to do, right? Or I mean, that's a bad example, but he's talking about drinking and I'm like, okay, maybe I should drink. Um, Like there's an answer for that. And what I told my girlfriend yesterday is I've started drinking a little bit and I mean, it really is just to fit in and to feel like a comic and uh, not getting drunk, but just drinking enough. And then I had this moment where I was like, all the, even if I go on stage after having a drink or two, all the jokes I wrote sober, all the jokes I wrote in the afternoon, all the jokes I wrote after fucking training, um, my podcast, which is improvised, all the funny shit I say happens after jujitsu. Um, and I think with drink, I think, I think people go to, for me, I probably go to drinking to give myself the confidence to, to have an out. Like I can say whatever I want, but if you don't like it, I can be like, ah, I'm just drunk. We're having fun. Right. As opposed to being sober, where you are taking complete ownership where I'm like, this might be too offensive or this might cross a line, or you may disagree with that, but it's 1000% like who I am. Um, you know, booze and weed gives you the, the opportunity to be like, ah, I'm just fucked up. You know? Yeah. yeah I get that. Hmm. It's hard, man. It's tricky. It, it is. So you had you had a podcast before, and I don't want to get too much into the past. Obviously, you've gone to great lengths to discuss. There's uh, yeah. Reddit boards discussing uh, quite a bit, which is, you know, it's fucking Reddit. But yeah, I, yeah, think, yeah. I think a good podcast that you did, we were just listening to the three-hour episode you did with Burt Kreischer on the Burt cast, yeah. which is great, man. It's great because yeah. it, it paints it from all angles. And, um, you know, it's, I think it's new enough. I think it was a year ago, but it's new enough that you're able to kind of see, like, had the full scope of things. So, I mean, yeah. if people are like, isn't that the guy that was on Rogan's like, yeah, we'll link to that in the show notes and you can check it out. And it's a great fucking episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like thinking about like all the different ways that we think all the different ways that we cope because life is hard. And then all the different ways that we give ourselves excuses. And it's not to say like everyone should quit alcohol. Like I still drink on occasion. And in large part, I'm nodding my head. Yes. When you're talking about that, the, the need to fit in or, or the thing, you know, like, when I go out tonight, I'm going to go out with a bunch of my old football teammates. Yeah. And um, I love those guys. And I was at, I was at one of their weddings and I'm um, stretching. I think I've told this story before on the podcast, but I'll bring it up again. You know, I'm in my spandex stretching. I'm one of the groomsmen and I'm just stretching out and I've got uh, a fair amount of LSD with me. And I know <laughs> I have a 5 a.m. flight the next day and my yeah. son's like a year old. I need to come. I need to show up as dad when I get back. Right. Like I don't never want to show up hungover. Sure. Even though I did that after Burning Man. And uh, and so at this point, I'm like, I just want to I want to feel good. I want to have a good time. I want to celebrate. And then I want to get on that flight early in the morning and not feel like a piece of shit the next day. So acid's my answer. Yep. And, um, of course, everybody's like, what the fuck, dude? You're not going to fucking drink or do blow? And I'm like, well, not, I mean, no, not tonight. You know, I'm definitely not doing that. But if y'all want to join me with the acid, like, I got enough for everyone. And, of yeah. course, everybody's like, no, 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 we're not fucking with that hippie shit. That's so interesting. And so I've been, I've been on the fence back and forth about having a drink tonight. I think I'll probably have, like, a shot of tequila, like a good little sip or something, and, and be fine. But, you know, this is a work trip. I'm podcasting tomorrow morning. Um, I mean, I've got a big weekend ahead of me. So alcohol really doesn't do it for me if I have to be sharp, yeah. you know? And I mean, there's there's plenty of other things that I would choose from 
even from a recreational standpoint, like GHB, things like that, that aren't, I wouldn't say they're transformative in a way where I'm growing and learning about myself, but they kind of give me the fun without consequence. Now, I say that with an asterisk. Obviously, yeah. you know, Billy Idol went into a coma from too much GHB. Sure. <laughs> People get raped on GHB. And, uh, you know, not to bring up the rape topic, but, you know, like that, there, there's a dark side to anything if used improperly. I yeah. think with moderate and respectful use of anything, you can have a good time. And then, you know, GHB is used by bodybuilders. Like you can sleep very well. It increases growth hormone. It increases deep sleep. So like if I'm comparing the drug alcohol to the drug GHB, there is no question which one is safer and better for me. Yeah. I mean, no question. We, uh, again, it's just what we're taught and, and, and how we're raised where I, my big debate about this LA trip is I'm staying with one of my favorite comedians who is like one of the guys who like discovered me and I want to make this, I don't have like a ton of gigs. I'm going essentially, it's like a total lost financial trip. I'm doing like a couple spots and uh, my friend's podcast, which is kind of bigger, but I'm not doing a ton. It's definitely not worth driving eight hours. Um, but I was like, I'm staying with my friend and I have mushrooms in my car, not even a lot. And I haven't done mushrooms in years. I have like, it's not a lot. And I'm fucking scared to do it. And every time I've done mushrooms, never had a bad trip in my life. Um, And I'm scared to do it. And instead I'm like, maybe I'll just drink every night. And that is literal poison. Like drinking (laughs) is so much fucking worse, but just like the groomsmen where it's like, like acid, like, no, that's what I saw videos about that in the fifties. But like, you're going to do like rails of Coke off like a bride's tit. And it's like, well, that's not good. Uh, (laughs) Like that's so much worse. And drinking is so much worse and drinking is killed so many more people and ruined so many more lives, but drinking's on the billboard, just like McDonald's is on the billboard. If only like, we could eat mushrooms off of Bride's tit. I know, right? <laughs> then it would be more popular. Let's get the best of both worlds, we gotta right? Get to, we gotta get to the marketing department of fucking mushrooms. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. And, you know, what you were saying about Bert's podcast is that was a really, that was a really transformative one for me because uh, I still have this moment, you know, a lot of people I think want me to, how do I phrase this? So if I wanted to be like the liberal guy who got fucked over by the left and, you know, now is conservative and like my whole Twitter is just like making fun of feminists. And I wrote a book called like why I left the left and the right is right. I would be a bazillionaire. I would have so much fucking money. Uh, I would be miserable. I would be a sellout. I'd be a piece of shit. And I probably wouldn't sustain itself. Um, and, and then you could do the follow-up 10 years later on how you why left, I you left the, the right, right after leaving the left. <laughs> now yeah, I'm a centrist. That's how I make my fucking living forever <laughs> uh, until I blow my brains out on CNN. Uh, and so, but it's, uh, what, what even the stuff, I mean, there's so much stuff I haven't even said publicly. Like I've said enough to like make the majority of people be like, oh, that was stupid. What happened to you? Um, but there's a lot of stuff that I, I, I tell my friends or I tell people I'm dating, Um, but I had this moment when it all happened where I was like, well, I can either be vindictive and bitter and, you know, I mean, the first option was killing myself. This is a bitter vindictive was the second option. Or you could just be like, even if I'm not the person people said, even if I didn't do the things people said, um, 
there are still corrections I can make, right? And there are still ways that I can become uh, a better person. And that's kind of my only goal now um, is to do that. That's why if I have a, a problem as little as I got jealous hearing my very sweet girlfriend tell me some story about like some ex or something, uh, that's enough for me to have a conversation and tell her like, hey, I'm not correct here. I'm being wrong and I want to fix it. As opposed to, I think my old self who just held everything in, assumed everything was my fault, assumed I was fucking up. And then, you know, eventually just cave and go out and cheat or do something shitty like that. Um, I'm just trying to, to learn from the mistakes and it's not that fucking hard. Well, I think the main thing that you've, you've brought up here is the fact that you take ownership. You know I mean? I'm not a, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm like the the biggest Jocko Willink fan. I'm certainly a fan, and yeah. I love his kids' books. I'm reading one out of Bear. Um, That's awesome. I haven't seen his kids' books. It's awesome, dude. From Wimpy to Warrior, and it's such a it's such a good book. I mean, there's lessons in it for me. There's yeah. lessons in it for plenty of adults. But I've read Extreme Ownership, and I want to get Discipline Equals Freedom. All these things tie back to taking ownership of every single thing that happens in your life. Dude. And that's like the first, that is your fucking foundation to building off of. Because yeah. if it's someone else that's causing you misery, or if it's something else that screwed you in life or took away your chance or your one shot was ruined, like that's the narrative you fucking live by. It locks you into that ideal. And there's no way out from that because... If I paint the picture of helplessness, that is exactly what I embody going forward. Totally. And not only does that affect you and does that make you feel like a fucking wimpy dork who can't fix anything, but it also, to me, isn't it more powerful to, to realize that you have the opportunity to change it? If you're just blaming other people, right? If I'm just blaming my ex-wife, if I'm just blaming like someone who made up some bullshit about me, I can't really change that. There's nothing I can do. But if I'm trying to take ownership of like, what could I have done better? Like, you know, I was really depressed and selfish. And I made everything about me. I was too much of a pussy to get out of a broken relationship. So I stayed in it thinking, telling myself I was being this good guy. When in reality, I'm just like, just dragging a fucking bunch of carcasses behind me and then using that as an excuse to like go off and cheat, right? Um, if I can realize that like those are the mistakes I did, it's like, well, now I have the power to change it. That's one of the things I don't like. I'm like very careful. I don't like saying anything bad about AA because I know it's helped a lot of people and there's a lot of really good stuff about it. But I remember... I wrote some article years ago about like my struggle with different addictions. And this wasn't even meant to be a shot at AA, but I ended it by saying something like, fuck being powerless, be powerful. That was like the last sentence. And I was like, oh, that was pretty poetic. Um, and I got a bunch of shit from AA people because one of their big kind of mantras or mottos or whatever is that you're powerless over this addiction. And yeah, and you have to find a higher power, right? right. And no matter what, what that is, whether you call it. it the universe or God or right, whatever right. that is for you. And right? My yeah. higher power was like more alcohol. Uh, and it, what's the bummer of that is to me, I'm like, well, if you take responsibility, if you have the power within you, doesn't that mean? Because I know alcoholics who were like, who would relapse. Uh, and then we're like, well, I guess it was just meant to be for a reason. And if I didn't relapse, I wouldn't have met this person. And it's just like, ah, like you're using this really shitty thing. Um, you're giving yourself an out essentially. Well, I think that too, I mean, you're giving it, we always make excuses for ourselves, but also 
we want to attach meaning to everything that happens in our life. That's a great point. And that's I do great, that as well. Great, but I mean, me that's, that's why we are storytellers. We right. tell the story to paint meaning into our lives right. in every single circumstance. Yeah. You know? Yeah, man. And the, for me, I just think that the second I stopped doing that, and look, that happens a lot on the left. A lot of the stereotypes that Republicans used to say about liberals, like I 100% did that. I just like, I wanted self-care. I wanted people to tell me I was good. I wanted to look virtuous. I wanted to um, uh, publicly act like I, I, I knew better when in reality I was just fucking scared and didn't know what I was doing with my life. But if I could, you know, publicly proclaim that this politician's an asshole, it would... I would get to stop thinking about myself. And yeah, it was like you and the Jockos and like, I mean, people fucking hate Jordan Peterson, but like, dude, I was a 36 year old and I was like, oh, I should make my bed. Like, that's a big deal. And that shouldn't be. And by the way, for all the liberals listening to this show, which I, I, I think I'm still fairly liberal, uh, pretty liberal. I think that when you demonize masculinity so much, um, all these young men, they're going to go in the extreme opposite direction because unless I, the only thing that saved me was being heavy into jujitsu where I was just around a bunch of apolitical, oddly enough, more diverse than my liberal friends, uh, athletes. And it was the first time I had male role models being like, get the fuck up. Like, stop being a pussy. And I was like, you can't say the word pussy. Um, and like, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, like, that shit was so important to me. It was so important to me to have these guys. And I was like, oh, wait, masculinity can be really good. Um, but if you're telling all these young men that masculinity is only bad and you're turning them into these sort of like self-hating beta dudes who like uh, fear jocks or fear, which is what I was, uh, or feared athletes and never really pushed themselves. And then they just start lashing out on social media. Uh, one, they're going to go fucking crazy, but two, all of these young men who can go either to the left or the right. When I Google stuff about masculinity, I'm going to get a bunch of right-wing people. I'm not going to get any left-wing dudes being like, hey, it's really fucking masculine to defend uh, uh, the gay kid who's being picked on, or it's really fucking masculine to uh, 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 be... To, to work yourself to where you know that you're strong and you can defend someone so you can do it, either defend your family or you can defend a community that's being marginalized by the government, right? Like that to me is badass. That's a badass way of looking at masculinity. But if you are only, if the only people talking about masculinity on the left are calling it toxic and saying you're inherently bad um, because of these masculine traits and they're trying to take that away, then it's like, we have trouble, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a you fucking hit the nail on the head. There's, there's a lot right now in the current climate where I think people, people just don't know what to do specifically boys. <laughs> you don't know what to do or how to behave or what's appropriate and what's not. And I think that's where, I mean, so much of this comes back down to how do I be in the world? What is right. appropriate? What yeah. is the way to be? And I think from there you have to look at what are the the good qualities? And I think, um, I know I talked about this recently, but we're going to have Anahata back on, who's, uh, she's up in Sedona. She's one of my favorite people in the world. And she has this chart and I'll, I'll get it and I'll try to, I think we'll be able to get it in a few days and link to it on this uh, podcast. But there's a chart that talks about the divine masculine and the divine feminine. Oh, whether, yeah, yeah, yeah. whether you're into 
God or not, like you can just replace that with good masculine, good feminine, <laughs> yeah. and unconscious masculine, unconscious feminine would be um, the traits that are less desired. And for that matter, one thing that she brings up is every good human, every person who's living the way they should be living. And I, I know Ted Decker's big on stop shooting, stop shooting on yourself, don't should this or should that. But to be complete, we all embody both sides of the spectrum. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like there are qualities of both. We want both. It's not that one's right or wrong. Now, unconscious masculine, unconscious feminine, there's plenty of dudes. You could argue that uh, social justice warriors contain a lot of the unconscious feminine, mm -hmm. like gossipy, bitchy, talking right, shit about people, right? Right, right, right. right? And then it's, well, and women, will, of course, will be like, the 20% that are listening to the show will say like, why is that unconscious feminine? It's like, listen, I got this chart from a woman. Yeah. She can explain it better than I can. But when you link to it, when we link to it in the show notes and you look at that, you see opposite of the unconscious is the conscious. It's the divine version. And how those parallel back and forth between the feminine and the masculine, I think those are critical. And it's most importantly, even though I've done a very poor job of explaining what this is and going through it all, the point is there are guiding posts for us to live better. And I think if we can start to use language around that, as opposed to a bigger issue that we see in all things today is only pointing out what's wrong with things rather than pointing to what's right yes. and working our way towards there, okay. right? So this is huge. And this is what I've been obsessed with. And this is like the premise of my podcast. And it's why people have refused to listen to it. And it's also why it's blowing up, which is I'm talking to people I disagree with. And that shouldn't be controversial, um, but it is. And I think that the reason the extreme left is getting more extreme and the extreme right is getting more extreme. And the reason for that is because we're not talking to each other um, and we're getting fucking defensive, right? So for example, I have a bunch of conservative friends for the first time in my life. And a lot of them are public uh, and they're well-known. And I follow them on Twitter. And well, let's take guns, for example, right? Because everyone's talking about that right now. I used to literally assume that whenever there was a mass shooting, uh, gun owners and conservatives didn't give a fuck, weren't looking for solution, just needed to uh, protect their guns so they could go in the back and fucking shoot hay uh, instead of learning how to like eat their girlfriend outright, right? And I was just like, fuck these little dick pussies. Um, now, <laughs> I follow a bunch of gun owners and I see that gun owners, whenever there's a mass shooting, are posting things like, fuck, this has to stop. We have to do something. How can we fix this? Too many children are dying. And your conservative uh, listeners are going to fucking kill me. But like, I was legitimately surprised at that because that's the kind of bubble I was in. And in fact, now I'm realizing if I was a gun owner, um, I would be even more outraged. It would be like if everyone, if there was like a murderer just using jujitsu to kill people, me and you would be like, we got to fucking stop that guy. It's making jujitsu look terrible, right? Yeah. Um, and not only that, but the majority of liberals don't know shit about guns. I want to talk to people who are fucking trained, who have bought guns, who know uh, what they need to do uh, to, to, to tactically be a responsible gun owner. I want to talk to them and get their solutions instead of a bunch of liberals who are terrified of guns, right? So one of my buddies from like Glenn Beck's network, like as conservative as you can get, posted something really sweet um, being like, we got to figure something out. Maybe it's background checks. Maybe it's, he even used the words white supremacy, which I didn't think that uh, Republicans used. And I retweeted it and I was like, hey, 
here's a conservative who wants to fix something. I'm a liberal that wants to fix something. Let's talk about it. And all the conservatives who responded were like, fuck yeah, like blah, blah, blah. And dude, all these liberals, I got like, I lost so many followers that day where they're like, well, then you shouldn't have fucking voted for Donald Trump. And it's like, what are you doing right now? If you actually care about gun violence, you have a conservative who is saying, let's figure something out. And you're shutting them out because you want to be the cool kid on Twitter. And so then that makes gun owners, when a bunch of gun owners who could come to the table and come up with solutions, if they're just being called fucking Nazis and they're just being, you know, you're glad mass shootings happen, blah, blah, blah. You think they're going to want to come to the table anymore? No. So now when someone like Beto says, I'm going to take your guns, now these gun owners have stopped coming to the table for solutions and now they're defensive. Where now they're just like, fuck you, I tried, you're not taking my guns. And now we're back to where we started and we can't have the conversation. When in reality, the more conservatives I talk to, the more I realize that most of us want the same thing. Um, we want to take care of our families. We want to live in safe neighborhoods. We want to pet the stranger's dogs. We want our kids to be raised well. Uh, we just disagree on how to get there. And if we realize that conservative... Dude, I got an email from a listener this morning who was like, I'm a person of color, I'm a liberal, and I would break down crying at least twice a month until I started listening to your show because I literally thought Republic all Republicans thought I was less than human. That sucks. That fucking sucks. And all I've done, my show's not groundbreaking. I've just talked to conservatives and not screamed at them. And I've just let them talk and they've let me talk. Um, and that does not happen enough, you know? And I think it happens like in your guys' kind of sphere because you're not like, a political show per se. So people can say something kind of lefty and then kind of more conservative on the same episode and no one gives a shit. But in like the political world of Twitter and people who are obsessed with it, it's like you are either hardline left or you're hardline right. And like, I've been called alt-right for going on Rogan show. And like, you know, Joe, like that dude's not an alt-right guy um, or for writing for a certain place. And it's, we're just writing for Breitbart. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Writing that we need to build a wall around Planned Parenthood because abortion is murder, and now they call me Republican. No, uh, no, I'm so fucking so liberal when I go on these shows. They just think if you go on a show and it's had a conservative on before, you're now this because we're just becoming more tribalized. But when you talk to normal people, it's like, yeah, we agree on most shit. It's not that bad. Yeah, I think that's, that's one of the critical pieces in today and going forward because this likely ain't going to change overnight is... How do we find common ground? And, and from there, how do we get to a place where we can have a conversation without the need to be right? Yes. Like that's yes. such, such a thing. Like, I, you know, and, and it's easy for people who aren't um, incredibly religious. Maybe they're spiritual. Maybe they're atheists, but they're not incredibly atheists. Yeah. Like, because you can be as dogmatic as, you I'm, know, I, as, a, as, as the hard nose. I've spoken at their rallies. Uh, <laughs> I opened for Christopher Hitchens once. Uh, I've like, I've been around those people. Yeah. yeah. So like, if you're, if you're, if it just depends, I mean, it's a sliding scale. If you're so far into atheism, um, you end up sounding like the people that you dislike, you know, yeah. from, from that standpoint, at least. So point is, if you can get to a place where you can have the conversation and you let go of the need to convince someone else of their shit, you can find out at the very least more about them, how they Dude. see the world through their eyes, right? That, if you yeah. don't need to convince them to change, like, and that's the thing, like my wife's mom is super Christian. She's doing, uh, she did a month in India, you know, taking the good book over and trying yeah. to, trying to save people, you know, and she's in Guatemala saving people. And she thinks that, 
we're going to burn in hell for being open. Mm -hmm. She thinks bear will burn in hell if we don't teach him about Jesus. And like, that is bananas to me because fuck, I don't even need to get into that. But my point is that if I can let go of that, let go of the need to change her, it makes me enjoy her more. Yeah. The issue is when she doesn't let go of the need to change me. Right. Right. So if she would just drop that, we could connect on so much. Yeah. So much. I mean, dude, when uh, I didn't talk to my grandma, I still don't really talk to her because um, she was a hardcore evangelical Christian conservative. I mean, I remember the first time I walked into her house as an adult, I just remembered her like being loving to me, like on the beach in Hawaii. And then I walk into her house and there's pictures of like her with George Bush and her with Pat Robertson. I was like, oh, I gotta get the fuck out of here. It was like a horror movie. And I kind of like, I never heard her out and I kind of just stopped talking to her. And so my new girlfriend, uh, who I was talking about, her parents are very conservative and I went into it differently. I went into it being like, all I know about them is that they love Emma and she loves them so much and they're so good to her. They're such great people. And I know that I love her. So we have that in common. So like, that's kind of all I need to know right now. Um, and within, I mean, we text each other, I love you now. I've been with them for like six months. I'm like texting with her mom, like I love you. Um, Cause they're wonderful people. And by the way, we didn't just bury politics. We talked about it. Pretty soon. I'm not recommending that to like any guys listening who are like about to like meet their girlfriend's parents to be like, what do you think about abortion? But we <laughs> talked about it. And I think, and this is what I've been doing in my interviews too, where instead of going at it with, I have to be right. Whereas you're saying something I disagree with. I have my talking point locked and loaded. I'm not hearing anything. I'm just waiting for your mouth to stop. Um, so I can scream my truth at you. Um, instead of doing that, I'm actually... I like kind of want them to convince me, you know? So like when, uh, like her dad's a gun owner, I'm like, fucking great. I finally get to ask a gun owner what he thinks about shootings. And I want to know, right? Um, I do that with all of my interviews now. I just interviewed this hardcore Trump guy. He's a, he's a 17 year old black kid, huge Trump guy. He has like a gigantic following and uh, we should hate each other politically. And dude, if we didn't, if, if people didn't know he was conservative and people didn't know I was liberal, um, it sounds like we agreed on everything. We agreed about unnecessary war. We agreed about wanting to help poor people. Um, all this shit, we just have different ways to go about it. But if you, if you start from there and it's like if decent, decent people from the right want to talk to decent people from the left, it's like, fuck yes, you can come up with solutions. I now know that for a fact but we have such ego and we're in our little bubble and we want our likes and we want our retweets. And whenever you tweet about something that you enjoyed, it gets like three sad faves. Uh, but when you're fucking cursing out Trump or whatever, it'll blow the fuck up and make your Twitter big. And that's how you get a TV special now is however many followers you have. And, you know, we are making it, especially in entertainment, sort of impossible to just be normal and just be decent, you know? Um, that's why I was so excited to do this show is because I feel like there's there's these these shows kind of tangential to, to to entertainment, to comedy that can still be entertaining, obviously, but are kind of like, hey, let's talk to a bunch of different people and figure out how to be better. And like, dude, if I walked into a comedy club with like a self-help book, people would be like, gay, get out of here. <laughs> Was that Tony Robbins? Yuck, you're trying to better yourself. It would be a fucking nightmare. Uh, but man, I think we're going to get so, I think we're becoming so miserable that there is going to be kind of pushback and people are going to 
be fed up and kind of like they're sick of yelling at each other on Twitter. I think that's why mindfulness is popular now. I think that's why yoga is becoming more popular. I think that's why uh, keto and eating healthy, like that stuff's being pushed into the mainstream more because I think people are the pendulum swinging. I think people are fed up. Yeah. I mean, it's gonna, I think it gets worse before it gets better with most things. And that certainly looks like it'll be the case with shootings. Unfortunately, it certainly looks like that'll be the case with politics, Yeah, but eventually, hopefully that expansion shrinks back down and we get closer to one another. Yeah. When when you're off the air, do you consider yourself? Because what, what I've realized is the less political I've become when it comes to like horse race, democratic candidate, like that kind of political, like on Twitter, um, the better person I've been, uh, as a human to other humans, whether it's the person at the grocery store and I'm talking to them instead of on my phone or whether it's my girlfriend. Like I said, that thing on Bert's, I think I'm it was on Bert's show. And it was true where I was literally the kind of person who, if someone was like, Jamie, your mom's on the phone, I'd be like, tell her I can't talk. I'm tweeting about feminism. You know, like I'm ignoring the real <laughs> women in my life. Um, and it was gross, but, but now I feel like, and maybe I'm using this as an excuse to be a little more apathetic or apolitical. But I'm like, I don't know, man, I'm a much better person. And I think that's kind of a political statement. Um, maybe I'm not uh, screaming about Trump on Twitter all day, but we don't need more of that. I think we just need more decent people. And so I was going to ask you, do you consider yourself political off air or are you kind of like in that sort of same boat where you're like, I'm just going to try to be nice and listen to people? Yeah. I mean, and so similar to what you were talking about with concern, I don't have any any high profile conservative friends. I mean, I have some, some Twitter buddies that I would say are high profile. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, there's, it's funny because like people that I grew up with that I've known since I was 12 years old back in the Bay area, we all went to ASU together and then they all moved back to Cali. And now, you know, I live out in Texas. Um, there it's about split 50, 50 between Democrat and Republican and the Republicans, I think because the Republicans in California are a little bit more hard nosed. Right. But when I listen to them, I not only if I whether I agree with them or not, I can at least see where they're coming from. Yeah. And I think the more I've practiced that, because I live in a weird fucking spot, you know, like Austin, they, you know, they keep Austin weird bumper yeah. stickers. And I have a lot of family from the Pacific Northwest. Keep Portland weird as a thing. Yeah. Portland is a fucking weird town. Yeah. Period. It's a it's a dope town. Yeah. town's awesome, but it is it's truly yeah. weird. Austin is weird for Texas. Well, it's not a weird town. Both of those both of those places are where everyone with Republican parents in Texas and Oregon just escaped to. Yeah. And they made that their kind of commune. Like Portland's still surrounded by like fucking militias. You know what I mean? <laughs> like in other parts of the state. So yeah. I think it's all the rebellious kids and they ran to those cities and made it weird. Yeah. And and there's there's comical shit in both places. But I think that, you know, being in Austin now, which is like an island of California in the state of Texas, you yeah. know, and I'm I grew up in the Bay Area. Um, but there is there is that, you know, like I, I walk there is that same contrast of there are both sides here. It's not like an amalgamation, mm. but I do feel like, you know, people in Austin, you, we, first thing I noticed when I moved there for, for working it on it was I saw all these signs that said black lives matter. Love is love in a rainbow color. Yep. Uh, it's my choice for women's rights, you know, like, and it just went down the list, but it covered like every liberal hashtag you yeah, see yeah. online. And, um, and I just blew my mind seeing all these signs and all the Beto signs. 
And I was like, oh, okay, this is damn sure a liberal town. But I think we see that in a lot of the the big university towns, right? Mm-hmm. I heard Madison, mm-hmm. Wisconsin is the same way. And I totally know Jordan is. Peterson talks about that as well. But, um, you know, you don't hear a lot about anti-guns in Austin. Right. It's almost like that one thing slips through the cracks That's interesting. of the liberal debate because Texas is down. And, you know, it's funny that Beto talks about that, taking guns, because he's like, hey, you're not going to... No, nobody's going to sell those guns back. Right. B, you're not going to fucking take them. Texas would no. exit from the United States yeah. beforehand. Yeah. And it's funny because I, I I remember hearing that before I lived there. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure you will. And then I live in town. I'm like, oh, they, these fucking guys. Yeah. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. And that's one of the cooler things about Texas is that they, it feels like even with the difference in agreements that Texans have each other's back. For yeah. the most part. And that's like a cool feeling. And I think like the more we could spread that, it's not, I mean, obviously that's, that's kind of statewide. But if you think about that, like there are things that we should appreciate more of. And I think that's part of the issue with the extreme left is the idea that everything's fucked, everything's broken. And here are the reasons why, yeah. right? Toxic masculinity, patriarchy, you fucking name it. You, you can, even if that was correct, you paint the picture of why it's broken, why it's wrong. You have to start to talk about what makes it right. And you also have to have, this goes for us as individuals too, the macro down to the micro. I can say all the things that I don't like about my life, all the things that are going wrong, but unless I focus on what's good and what I have gratitude for and what I'm content with and what I enjoy in life, I'm looking through the lens of fear and anger instead of looking through the lens of love, happiness, and gratitude. Yeah, and it's addict mentality. It's addict mentality on a larger scale where if everything is fucked and everything is bad, then what's the point of getting better? You know what I mean? Like so many addicts will tell themselves that, well, my life shit, so I might as well drink or I might as well be drunk or whatever. Um, And we're just doing that. Like everything that we're doing on social media right now, that we're it's like the opposite of... Uh, 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 of how to get healthy, right? So like one of the things that uh, people, and you, you've talked about this, but like the uh, just being positive or visualization or looking for positive things or whatever, or for an athlete, like uh, picturing yourself winning. We do the opposite of that every day on Twitter where we look at Twitter and we're looking for people who fucked up and we're looking and even if they didn't fuck up now, you know, we'll find Kevin Hart's tweets from 10 years ago and we'll make sure that this like young successful black guy can't host the Oscars because he was wrong on like a different woke topic however many years ago. And and we're just searching. If we spend all day training our brain to search for the negative, then it's like, what the fuck is that going to do to us as individuals. You'll always find it. Yeah. You'll always find it. But now we're training ourselves, and we're bringing that into our personal life as well because that's all we do online. So now we're in our personal life and we're searching for the negative. So now our life's getting shittier. And then once our life gets shittier, we want to take it out on more people. So we go back on Twitter. I mean, that's what happened with me Um, where it's just I was miserable and I was taking it out on like Twitter people because I didn't have any real relationships in my life or friends and I was getting validation online. And then you keep kind of chasing the dragon. Um, as opposed to now, it's like, I don't know, maybe I don't have as many followers, but fucking I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Well, shit, we're at, we're at, uh, 10, 10 here. We got to jump on your podcast and then I got to jam after that. So I th- this has been a fucking awesome conversation. Dude, this has I'm been sure great. We'll, I'm sure we'll pick this conversation Hell up yeah. right where we left off on your podcast. Anytime. 
Yeah. Anytime, anytime. Awesome. Brother. All right. Thanks, thanks for brother. coming on. Where can yeah. people find you online? Oh yeah. So, uh, Twitter at Jamie Kilstein. My Instagram is new. It's like my happy place where it's just jujitsu and cats. I feel like your people will like my Instagram more. Uh, but it's the Jamie Kilstein. And then, uh, the podcast is just Jamie Kilstein podcast, uh, everywhere podcasts happen. Awesome brother. Yay. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Thank you guys for tuning in to the show with Jamie Kilstein. Hit us up on the gram. Let us know what you think. I'm sure, uh, we might've touched some areas that, that, uh, Maybe ruffled some feathers, maybe not, but let us know what you think. And as always, go to kingsboo.com, enter your email address. You're going to get a welcome letter and every supplement I take and why with links and everything included. We did have a question around methylene blue. Uh, there was, a, I think, a science student who had used methylene blue in college, and it was just a lab dye. But there is a lot of evidence out there around methylene blue's potentiation of the mitochondria and as a donor in the electron transport chain. Methylene blue is fucking phenomenal. And that's one of the things you're going to get as a tool when you leave your email for me and you get my supplement list. On top of that, you're going to get a monthly newsletter and a welcome letter that's going to talk to you about everything that I'm into, all the biohacks, all the, uh, I fucking hate that word, all the life hacks. There we go. And uh, anything that I'm into, anything that I'm reading, learning, trip reports, you fucking name it, get it at kingsboo.com. And that's how you'll stay up to date on everything that's going on in my life. And I'm not going to bombard you. You're not going to get one email a week, two emails a week. You're getting one a month. So easy to follow, easy to learn, and we'll stay in touch together through kingsboo.com. Thank you guys for tuning in today's show, and I'll see you in a few days.